Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Antonio Conte, who is now in at Tottenham, back in English football today. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Aesthetica. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. It is episode 78. It is Tottenham Hotspur 1, Wolverhampton Wanderers nil. A big victory for Spurs at home, and we're here to talk about it. Here to talk about it with me is my good friend Scott. He is at DSM Spurs. Scotty, what's going on, mate? Everything's going on. Lots of good things. Uh, obviously, a great result, a great weekend. Looking forward to talking about it. Um, it's funny how this time last year, I think we were probably a little bit excited, but you and I were both probably like, there's no way this excitability is sustainable. And this is all going to go to shit soon. We know it, right? And 12 months later, things feel good. And it's a very, very different version of that word good this time, right? So, so uh, you know, all, all that said, it's it's exciting uh, things to talk about today. So. Yeah, it's a little weird. I feel more confident having gotten seven points from nine possible versus last season where we had nine points from nine possible and we're sitting top of the league heading into an international break. I definitely feel more confident about this team than I did about that team. So it is a it is an interesting and kind of weird dynamic. Um, we are also, yeah, Nuno, you're a great man, but um, Conte's, Conte's got this thing rolling down the tracks a little little bit better. So uh, we're, we're appreciative of that. Uh, we're also very fortunate to be joined by a man who was in attendance for this game. We're going to hear all about his experience as well. He is Shuban. He is at the real Shuban on the socials. Shubes, what's going on, man? um good afternoon or good morning to you guys and yeah thank you for getting up so early to do the pod with me and appreciate it really appreciate it guys thank you for getting uh getting on the pod and we're obviously going to hear about uh your experience but uh let's start by talking about the lineup um which is you know was it was a little bit different than we've seen the first two matches we saw two changes one of them due to injury one of them i think due to uh needing a change um let's start with the needing a change perisic comes in for sesnyan on the left wing Scott, no problems with this, I presume. I feel like this was something that people were calling for. Sessegnon had had struggled a little bit, despite you know the fact that he scored in the first game and um, you know has had, had shown really promising signs. It felt like after the Chelsea match last week, he needed uh, a switch there to to change things up. And Perisic came in and 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 was really good. So you, you obviously, I would assume, agreed with this move as well. Yeah, I mean, I think if if you asked me to to put a put a friendly wager on the one change that I think could happen if Paris is recessed. So when it did happen, I wasn't surprised. Um, I also think it's super important to point out before we really dissect this. I think Conte is a brilliant man manager, and I think this was always by design. I mean, Paris is 33. 
we signed him for a very specific reason to come win the Premier League. So you're going to want him to start as many Premier League matches as possible. But it's also really important to give Seth those first two starts and 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 remind him, like, I trust you and you're my guy. You're just very young and Perisic has won everything and he's 33 years old and we brought him here to win a title. So Sessegnon, you're still very important. You're still the guy for the future for me as Antonio Conte, but Perisic is going to start a few more games than you this year. And there's a reason for that, right? It's all by design. So I don't, what I'm saying is I don't think it's an indictment on Sessegnon. I don't think it's a slide on him at all to say it was time for Perisic to start because I think that's why we brought him here was to start and teach Sessegnon how to prepare for, for what's to come. Right. So um, it was exciting to see. And I know Shivan wants to jump in, but um, obviously a very good move by the manager because Perisic played very well. Oh, everyone was talking. Everyone around me was like, "Perisic is like mustard." He was just, mm-hmm. he was just so good to watch. Um, the good thing about Conte because obviously we'll go into it, but when you actually see him, I've obviously when I've, I've only been to two games: the Burnley game and this game as Conte as manager. And obviously, I was so far up, I couldn't actually see Conte. But it was so that there was a contrast between the first and second half because Conte is like wildly gesticulating. And Bruno Large is clearly enjoying the first half because he just sat down. He couldn't even see him. And then come the second half, you saw, if it was impossible, Bruno Large gesticulating even more profusely than um, Conte. <laughs> it was just so Yeah, funny. he was he was going crazy in the second half. And and the only thing that was his saving grace was that hoodie that he was wearing yesterday was badass. I want one of those. I'm not a Wolves fan, but that was a really cool hoodie. And, and, and it made him look uh, way cooler than he was because he was going crazy a little bit. Uh, in that second half, it was it was kind of bizarre. So, but yeah, Perisic I thought was the right move. Obviously, he's got two assists already on the season. We'll we'll get into the assist because I have a lot to say about that goal uh, that that was scored yesterday. But let's first talk about the uh, Romero coming out for Davis and Sanchez. Obviously, we got word late last week that that Romero has an injury, and everyone said, "Oh God, he's going to be out for a month. What's going on?" It sounds like it's not quite going to be a month. In fact, he was pushing to play, but he was held out for precautions. It sounds like maybe another game or two, but um, Davison Sanchez steps in. And Scotty, <laughs> this is where I'm going to go to you because we had a conversation a few weeks back, me, you, Dakota, in our group chat about Davison Sanchez. You said you didn't want to see him play at all. I think you clarified that to say you didn't want to see him play on the left, which I agree with, but on the right, he seems to be fine, and I got, I got a little note for you here too. Um, <laughs> with Davis and Sanchez on the pitch, Tottenham Hotspur have not conceded a goal for more than seven and a half hours, um, and that holds true after yesterday. So, if yeah. Davis and Sanchez has to sub in for Christian Romero on the right side, I got no problem with it. What were your thoughts on on Dav's performance stepping in for for Romero? Yeah, I mean, I think as a right center back, he 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 does a very good job. I mean. I'm not going to gush on him to the level I would Romero, right? Uh, I think there's a difference between keeping clean sheets and being the presence that Romero is, right? They're both very valuable things. But but all I'm saying is I, I think he does a very good job as a right center back. And I think, you know, even recall on one of our shows at the end of last season, maybe even saying that, Romero doesn't waltz right back into to that position, right? If you were to come back from that injury late last season, because Sanchez went on a tear and was a huge reason we got Champions League football at right center back, right? So he does a good job there. I I still stand firmly that I want him nowhere near left center back or or the central center back position, right? But 
as a supplement to Romero, he's a fantastic guy to have. And I, and you can even argue that it's not supplement, right? It, it could, it could be the case where, where there is the right time to use Sanchez, even over Romero. So um, it's nice to see the depth and yeah, we have to give him a ton of credit because he has been, he has been uh, just defensively sound in this position, but I think what's probably surprised me more than, than his defensive soundness for lack of a better way of saying that is his ability to actually be involved in getting forward. Like Conte wants these center backs to, to be able to do right. Um, uh, it's not something that I necessarily would peg him for. I think there was a time where I didn't feel like he was terribly strong on the ball. Right. And I think he's showing that he can do what's asked of him. And um, that's going to be very important as you continue to look for minutes under Antonio Conte. So a lot of credit to Sanchez without question. There was certainly a few moments yesterday where Sanchez may be nervous. There was one instance pretty early on where he dove in for a block, you know, sliding through the box. And I was like, oh, God, I hope he doesn't take someone out. But overall, I thought he was really good. Shuban, what were your thoughts on on Big Dab's performance? Well, it was really weird. I ran a poll to say, um, who would you rather have, um, Jaffet, uh, Sanchez or Longley to replace Romero? And Sanchez was the clear winner, three to one. Yeah. And... Um, it was really weird because obviously, obviously, if you're behind me, I'm, I'm like, if anything, if Sanchez doesn't, doesn't do anything perfectly, they're like, oh, he's useless, he's useless, get, get him, bin him, bin him. But Sanchez is an international class defender, played a lot, obviously, with, but not just us, but Viax has played a lot of European football. And yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's a quality, yeah, he's a quality player. This is his first start, I think, since the end of last season. He hasn't started, yeah. you know, and uh, I don't think he, I don't think he stood apart from, and, and in terms of starting on his natural side, I don't think he did that in the friendlies. I don't, I can't remember any games he did. No, that. from what I remember, he he was mostly starting on the left side during, during the preseason, which is like, like Scott and I have discussed a lot, not what you want to see because he does not seem to have good performances on that left side. He just doesn't look comfortable. Um, I think you can, res- yeah, very flat footed. Doesn't, doesn't seem comfortable on the ball. Um, he's never really seemed super comfortable on the ball, even on the right side, but he at least seems way more comfortable on the right than on the left, in my opinion. And I, I, I agree with Scotty. Like if, if he's got to be not just a, you know, not just a sub or a, or a fill in for Romero, but, but a, a rotational piece to Romero on that right side, I'm completely comfortable with that. And I think that anyone should be, but the second you start to move him onto that left side is when I just, I throw all caution to the wind and say, no, thank you. I don't need that. Yeah. And, and I'll jump in quick because it's really important to me that I don't sit here and like bash players on a podcast because these guys are fucking very talented. Like Sanchez is is 1000 times the defender I will ever be. I think what what why I criticize him on the left and uh, in the middle, I think starting in the middle, you that person has to has to make the first decision and everything has to happen around him. It's so important. Right. Dyer does it so well. You don't have to be the best defender in the world. You have to be uh, like a natural born and mental leader to play that role, right? Dyer is, and I just don't – Sanchez isn't isn't the guy who can make the first decision. He plays really well off his partner and always has, right? So you don't want him anywhere near in the middle. And obviously on the left, we've already we've already gone on it, so I don't need to elaborate, but he's just uncomfortable, right? He's, he's out of his – out of his feel you could say he's flat-footed and his decision-making suffers because of that and I, I watched that happen in the preseason right but you know he's a very fucking talented defender and yeah everything we've said stands true but I want to point that out like there's reasons for the way that I f- feel it's not just me 
thinking Sanchez fucking sucks because he misplaced the pass, right, and shouldn't be on the field. Oh, I remember last year, like, I remember a lot of people having a go at him when he wasn't doing what Romero was doing. Well, he's not Romero. Allow him right. to be, yeah. allow him to be who he is. Allow yeah. him to focus on what he does best. And that's, that's kind of like it's managing, isn't it? It's like, okay, this is what I have. This is what he does well. This is what he does not so well. So I'm going to try and focus on what he does well and try and tailor it to that. So like I yeah, said. And, uh, and, on, and, yeah. and real quick too, another person who needs to have someone else make a decision for him is Christian Romero. Like he's the, I, I've said he's the best defender I've ever seen, but he's not the guy to make the first decision in the partnership ever. Right. Because he knows he knows that he can press the envelope and push the element and make super aggressive and wild plays because his partner, Eric Dyer, is in position, right? Like, it's very important to point that out. So me saying that you have to be the lead center back does not mean you're the best center back on the field because Romero is way better than Dyer. It's like, it's like think, a locus point that, that you, you operate from kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that's all really well said. Yeah. Uh, one other injury note, we talked about Romero a little bit, you know, picking up and, and that injury did not apparently come from the, the, the Cucurella stomp, uh, last week. It came later in the mat in the Chelsea match. Um, and we'll, we'll see how long he ends up being out. But one other injury note that Antonio Conte pointed out was that Oliver Skip is back to running the last few days. So hopefully he's only a few weeks away from getting his fitness up. Um, and we'll see how that goes. Um, I wanted to move on to talking about the, the flow of this game because Shuban, you were there and this is where I think you can offer us really good insight. The first half of this match was kind of lackluster. <laughs> it was, it was kind of boring and there were even a, a little, a few groans at halftime. I mean, the only thing that really happened in that first half was Pierre-Emile Hoybier picked up an early yellow card. Um, I wanted to get your perspective of the first half specifically because, you know, while it was, while it was kind of lackluster, I thought the groans and the moans at halftime were a little unjustified. Well, I think you have to factor a few things. First of all, there was a train strike, which is train workers going on strike, not two trains hitting each other, as Andrew thought earlier. <laughs> and um, basically, um, so that made it much harder for people to come in. So people are already in a bit of a mood. Anyway, it's half, it's a half 12 game. So again, people are a little bit like rushing to get in. There's loads more traffic and everything else. So I think that doesn't help. And I think that translates to the, that kind of transmuted to the players. But um, no, it's, like I said, I don't know. It was, like I said, it did seem like a little bit of like chalk and cheese because, like I said, that first half, it was honestly, it was like be our guest. It's like you want to be in our path, be our guest. It was, honestly, it, you might as well literally had the entire like Tom Eleven sing that song from um, Beauty and the Beast because that's what it was. But it was in the second half, it was if like, oh my god, we've started to press. I'm like, somebody, it's like someone said, uh, it's like, kind of said, guys, have you thought about pressing? That might be an idea. And suddenly he's like, oh, yeah, let's start pressing. It was, it was as if they hadn't, you know, I think, Andrew, you spoke about having your five cups of coffee at Fibbers or something. Yeah. And shout out to everyone at Fibbers and Arizona Spurs. I think it was that or something. They had had their coffee or whatever. They weren't fully awake. Because by in the second half, they were a lot more awake. And as if they, like I said, they basically were like 10 yards further up the pitch. And suddenly, like, Wolves had a problem. And it was as if they had to wake up or something. I don't know how to just describe it. Well one thing that i think is really important to point out and i i can't take credit for the for the original um i guess uh, igniting of the discussion yesterday it was my buddy mark schechner but conte you can most definitely tell is intending every single game to come in in the first half be super careful not concede um and then make a tactical adjustment at halftime and come out and smoke the other team with that tactical adjustment like he I don't think he's necessarily 
too concerned with 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 coming out with his foot on the gas right out right off the bat. I think he wants to like feel the game out. He said his halftime, you know, syncs with the team are such an incredible or such an important piece of what he's doing. Right, I'm paraphrasing big time, but he's yesterday in his his remarks, um, and and he's clearly proving that it's working for him. Right, because we have three games in a row came out of the second half and and played really really good soccer based on I think a first half that you know was a lot better in some other games than it was yesterday, but was never to the level of the second half. Yeah, I just I you know, I it, there's also something to be said about these early Saturday matches. Like these lunchtime matches are they I it look, it takes a little bit it took, it takes the five cups of coffee at the pub for me to get into them because they start at 4:30 <laughs> a.m. Pacific. I, I I get that it's later in in England when they start, but it's still early for these guys the players to get don't up like and them. get the players I like them. I mean, I've Danny Rose's no, mom they don't. used to come into the used to, used to come into um, my pub uh, the coaching horses. So shout out to them. And um, they say, he's to say, like, you know what? It puts your body clock off. It's just, it's just no one likes doing it. No one likes his midday games because it, yeah. it affects how you eat, it affects everything. And, you, and, and sometimes it's, it, can, it can work very much in your favor, or it can, as it, as it did against Leeds last year, or it can work very much against you. It's just how you, like I said, how you judge the mood. And like I said, I, I, and plus it's early in the season. I wouldn't, you know, I think, I'm not saying the players um, took it for granted. Obviously, they, they lost to Wolves last year. I think it was brought up in the press conference. They lost to Wolves last year. And so, and that, you know, again, which again was due to a slow start, them not starting properly. So if I felt like somebody thought it was history, history repeating stuff. I think history could have repeated itself. The difference was, is um, Antonio Conte has had a lot more time with his players to get his ideas across and to enforce his ideas. And I think... The other thing is he has the stick to say, well, do you know what? If you guys don't get it, I've got people on the bench that will get it. And, you know, they'll do things. And luckily he didn't have to do that. But, he, you know, he did eventually. But, yeah, he made some but changes. That, that's, yeah. that's also a, a great point, Shubhan, because that's a massive difference between this season and last season in that, you know, Antonio Conte last season, especially down the stretch when they were scratching and clawing for the Champions League places, he didn't have anywhere to go on that bench. And now he does. He can bring on, you know, so many different weapons and, and we can get we can come on to talking about uh, Richarlison and the impact that he made on the game, which I thought was another good one. But, you know, the, the, there is a big difference. And, and here's the other big thing, too. You, I'm glad you bring up the the fact that they lost the home fixture to Wolves last season because coming into this season, I thought the biggest difference between and I said this last week um, on the whole lot of Wolves podcast, uh, we did a little preview with them. You know, the biggest difference for Spurs, they they asked me basically, do I think Spurs are an actual title contender or is that just something that Spurs fans are saying? And I said, the biggest difference for Spurs, Spurs, they they always seem to get up for the the city, the Liverpool, the Chelsea game. They can get results. Um, but it's, it's games against teams like wolves or in the past teams like Burnley or Southampton. And in the past Spurs have, have dropped points in those matches. And if you can get the, 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 the tough one nil at home against wolves, rather than losing that game two nil like you did last year, that could prove to be the difference at the end of the season as to whether or not you're, you know, just fighting for fourth or whether you're pushing for something greater and, I think Spurs, it's obviously it's only three games. It's a very small sample size in the early going here, but already Spurs have seven points from 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 fixtures that they didn't have last season. Um, they didn't get any, you know, they didn't get any points from those. It's seven more points than they had last season. 
and obviously like i said small sample size uh you can you can play me all the the, the tiny violins you want for all of that but I, I don't know that seems kind of important to me in this early going it seems like a point that is is kind of important to harp on that these are seven points they didn't have last season yeah i mean i don't know it's a bit of a weird one because you have a lot of gooners right now who are cock of the walk right now because they're top of the league because they obviously yeah. had, a, had a horrible start last season. But if you all I can say, well, is this, right? but hold on, hold on before before you even go further, guess who was we, we said we said it at the top of the show, guess who was cock of the walk last season three games in? We were, we were doing the same yeah. thing, we were shutting ourselves. So but, I'm, but, I'm but, fine but to we, let them, I'm fine but to thing let them. Is, though, the thing is, though, the thing is, though, we kind of knew that this was like the the city, the city win was like they had no other chances, but they couldn't finish, and then Sunny had that wonderful breakaway and scored. Mm-hmm. The sun goal was just like a free kick that basically deceived everybody. Yep. It was more like it was more case, it was more, it wasn't it wasn't like it was more like incidental rather than intelligent design. Do you know yes. what I'm saying? It wasn't like yes. I mean when I, when I look at that, we had to find a way to win. I don't know what the gaffer said. Obviously, we don't know. There's no or nothing or anything in this, but maybe Spurs player will do something. But there was clearly like this is what we have to do, and this is what we're going to do differently. I am um, obviously uh, we'll talk about it later. I think Kulishevsky he went more wider, and I saw a lot more of um, on my side anyway. Uh, Emerson Rail underlapping than overlapping, and I, don't, I and I didn't I don't remember seeing that on the other side as much. But um, no, like I said, I think there, there there will be a slight tweak, slight changes. But like I said I think Conte had been our manager I think three months when we lost to Wolves, and they. Were, yeah, I mean, I think three months, maybe three and a half months at tops. And I think we can see the benefit of what it's like to have a preseason. Because like I said, the only difference I could see in terms of first half, second half, is that we just started pressing 10 yards off the pitch. Right. It's as if like we switched on. It's like we have a game to go through here. And I'm not saying the players weren't switched on, they weren't motivated. But, oh, well, I mean, I just, because I remember like Ron Atkinson, but he used to, because I don't know how mad... So obviously, Conte, obviously yeah. Conte was in our dugout. It wasn't Harry Winks. Conte was in the dugout. But some managers like to start in the director's box or something and then work their way down to the dugout. But Conte's always at the dugout. But I think Ron Atkinson, a former English manager, said, look, he would come down because he would he want to see the game from up top. And then if he needed to make changes, he'd come down to, the to the touchline. And then to say, look, he did that once. Say, look, the game started, hello, 20 minutes ago. Get in the fucking game. And that's what... I, that's I think Conte said to us at halftime because like I said he made a slight change, swish here. I don't remember seeing anything that Perisic did differently, but it was if like by pressing a bit oh. higher, Benson had more space to do what he did. He wasn't being as close because we were on offense or it's on the attack rather than we were setting the agenda rather than reacting to the agenda, if that makes any sense. And it just half? seemed a lot better in the second half. And he said yeah, Benson yeah, looked yeah. a lot better. Just because of that, because I heard like I like I heard the potatoes behind me going, "Oh, Benicol, shit, he's crap. Oh, he's fucking useless." And then suddenly, I heard I still heard a lot of that. Obviously, obviously the guy's not going to change over <laughs> during halftime, but it was a lot less. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, well, I think that my thought there is, I mean, I yeah, I, I don't disagree with with what you're saying, but I think probably in the in the first half. I don't. I don't think they probably were tasked with pressing as aggressively, right? I think we we wanted to play a little bit more conservative, conservatively, right? Almost like a zone approach. And I I I look at I look at Potch for example. We struggled so much to break teams down, even when we got eighty six points. Like we we struggled so much 
we came into every match with a very singular approach, right? Everybody knew how we were going to play, and it was come see if you can beat us, right? You know what we're going to do. It was awesome. That's not Conte, though. Like, he 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 plays chess, right? He's an Italian. He's coming into – and I say that jokingly, but I mean it. Like, he's an Italian tactician. He's coming into these matches to read what's happening and make make tactical adjustments, right? So, I my gut says the, the pressing in the second half was him saying, I've identified that if we press the shit out of him, out of this team, we'll be fine, right? But especially a team that is full of – like. They're, they they had sprinkled a few new signings in there. That's not the same Wolves team we played last year, right? And same manager and whatnot, but we essentially were playing like the Portuguese national B team yesterday, right? So you got to figure <laughs> out what's going on in that situation as well. Well, here's the interesting thing too. I mean, you look at, I think the first shot for Spurs, the first shot on target came at like 38 or 39 minutes. And that was from that Kane header. Um, yeah. And when you get when you go when you start a game like that, there's there's gonna be a little bit of, of disgruntlement. But you know, Wolves I think had twelve or so shots in that first half alone. Um, they finished the game with I've got it right here. They finished the game. This is a bad job by me because I just had the number. I think they only finished the game with like sixteen shots total. No, tw- I'm sorry, it's twenty shots total. Uh, 12 or 13, maybe 14 of those came in the first half, but their XG in the first half was 0.41. They finished the game with 0.71 XG. So it wasn't like they were producing great looks or great opportunities. It wasn't like Hugo Lloris had to stand on his head in that first half. Um, That's a, that's a, that's an ice hockey term for those of you who don't, who are unaware. Um, But you know, it's not like he had to be so impressive to stop everything. Spurs finished with nearly a full goal more of XG throughout the game than Wolves did, despite being outshot 20 to one or 20, 20 to 11, rather. Sorry. Um, so, you know, it, once, once Spurs got things rolling in that second half, it, it didn't. And I think to your point, Scott, like once they were able to press a little bit more and, and, you know, it's just, it, it's just the first almost 40 minutes of the match. They didn't really do anything, but, but for the final, you know, 50 or so, they really did. Um, they really, you know, got things rolling offensively. It's funny. Yeah, Shibon, to yeah, your point. Yeah. To your point about Conte being in the dugout, we didn't even mention that. Obviously, the the the, the band <laughs> the band that was announced for Tuchel and not for Conte, which is exactly what I predicted on the podcast last week would happen. Tuchel's appealing, so he was able to manage today. Unfortunately for them, it didn't go well. They lost three uh, 0 to Leeds United. Uh, but um, you know, it, it it is kind of funny. Like I wonder if Conte had been been delivered a ban for this match and had served it. Like what might have what what halftime adjustments might have happened, or 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 if any would have been made. Um, you know, it's interesting they didn't make a substitution until about 15 minutes left to play in this game because it it was working in that second half. It was a, you know, it wasn't like a, a big tactics change or a big um, substitution that changed something. It was just they started playing a little bit differently and a little bit more aggressively. Um, and that's what kind of worked out. And once they got that goal, and that's what I want to go next because that goal was straight off the training pitch um and it was so impressive 64th minute harry kane off the corner uh and the goal the goal to me was so cool i went back and watched it a number of times and you know it's funny too i was i was really interested in who was going to be taking a lot of the corners and the free kicks at the start of this match with Perisic starting because if we remember last week when Perisic came on he took uh, the, the the late corner because Sun was off the pitch that that got the equalizer, but Sonny was still taking corners and 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 free kicks for the most part even with Perisic on the field 
uh, in this match. And Sonny took this corner, but delivered it to Perisic. And if you go back and watch it, it's so cool because Perisic is kind of hiding almost. He's hiding near post and he's got three defenders around him, but he just slips in front of them and delivers. a, a And it's completely planned. You can back tell. Exactly. Beautiful. It's a beautiful backhander. You can tell exactly what he's doing. He, he backheads it, and Kane is just wide open on that back post. And how he got that wide open is beyond well, me because I, I would rather have cover players that. They on... cover that match of the day. They cover that match of the day. What they what they do is there was what Kane's always been very good at is his movement. And mm-hmm. they because Aaron Linko, who I don't know if you get if you Americans get match of the day like a version of it, and you're able to watch legally or illegally. But basically, what it is, he said, the best strikers don't watch the ball they have like a sixth sense of where the ball is going to be. Whether it's a defender or a striker, you know where the ball is going to be because you're so able to, you're you're able to read it and you're able to gamble on it correctly that the ball is going to be there. And there's a little bit of a tussle and turn. And he literally looks at, I think it's James Collins or something Collins, his back. He's able to read the number on his back. And that means he's got free. And then he just moves in. He's free. He's read the flight of the ball. Bang. Because the header was literally, I recorded nearly every single corner that was on my side, except that one. <laughs> except which that one. Had to be. It just had to be. But it was really funny because I talked about Mr. Potato behind me. And he was like, oh, why is Sonny taking for, for corners? It shouldn't be Sonny at all. Why is he taking? Oh, and he had an opinion about everything. Because you know, incredibly, that happens at football matches. <laughs> There's always someone's got a real loud opinion. And... I think I don't know. If he, I don't know if he was annoyed that Sonny was taking it because I said Perisic, he was absolutely mustard. But the move it took to actually get that corner was all Perisic, and again, it was real good quality. And this was his first start. I mean, for me, I, I know it sounds really silly. I want Perisic to, to in terms of the development of per, the use of Perisic and the development of Sessignon, that literally I would have, I would love to be able to have a Perisic for at least. 11 more games against our top six, top six rivals kind of thing. Our top six rivals, top six, top six rivals. And then have Sessignon playing all the rest. So it's kind of like you have the real absolute mustard player with all the experience playing against like the best the best the Premier League has to offer. And then you have someone like Sessignon who's learning his trade against, well, I wouldn't say the lesser teams, but obviously nowhere near as good as the top six kind of thing. Because yeah, what's interesting move, though, like to play devil's advocate, Sessignon has been getting starts in like big six matches that have surprised me. Like he got it at Liverpool last year, Chelsea this year, like something about these big six teams, they all get forward and leave so much space that like, I think Conte likes to let Sessignon run rampant. You can see, you can see Perisic like working on the the finishing aspect with Sessignon in training. And we all saw that still after his miss in the match against Chelsea. Right. But and I'm not even saying you're wrong. I agree with you, actually. But it'll be interesting to see what Conte does. I think there'll be a mixed bag of all of that, right? Like, there, it's all about it. Just, and I'm agreeing with you. I'm just like elaborating on how exciting this is to see someone like Sessignon have a Perisic and Perisic yesterday. Like, we can gush on him for a second. I, I something that like stood out to me so heavily. I don't remember the situation at all. I can't remember, but essentially he pulled Kane aside and was coaching Kane and Kane was just so like engrossed in whatever Perisic was like walking him through on the field. And this is Harry Kane, who's like a decade deep in his career and the best striker on the planet. Right. But Perisic has clearly come into this team. Kane is the leader, right? He doesn't have the armband on. And and I agree with that. He goes to captain, but Kane's the leader, uh, you know, for those outfield players. And 
Perisic has made an impact on these guys who are leading from the front on this team. And it's just, it's the guys that, that, that is so important. And when we get into the knockouts, when we end up playing Madrid in a quarterfinal, Perisic will start as he should. Right. And like, it's just so exciting that those things are going to happen right now for Antonio Conte. Um, I want to make one point though. I don't know if you, I I don't know when Perisic went off. I can't remember exactly what time he went off, but as it was seemed like, because obviously, um, Jim, uh, um, Adama Traore, who we've been linked with, I think I can't remember who wanted him or didn't want him from the pod. I think that was a, that was a very widely debated topic within the pod. I don't think many <laughs> people wanted him. <laughs> but um, basically, well, it was like, but, but it was like when he came on, they were like, I think I remember what it was, but I was like, oh my god, who has to get on? Because when you see Adama Traore in the flesh, he's even bigger. And yeah. it's like, I don't know whether they took him off thinking, well, Perisic, got, he's not a Perisic I know. Well, he's not going to be if he's got to take on Adama Traore because he was like a freight train. He is just that. Well, I'll tell you. Done, yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, Shub, it's, it's interesting because Traore came on at 71 minutes and um, Perisic went off at 76 minutes. So it was only about five minutes that they were on the pitch together. Um, <laughs> and it's interesting. It's interesting what you say about Traore. You know, I, I, I mentioned earlier, I did a little preview with the, the whole lot of Wolves pod last week and they they were asking, like, does, does Spurs still have interest in Traore? And I'm like, first of all, personally, no, uh, I don't think Spurs do either. And it's like he just he's he's not he's not that fit at 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 wingback like like Spurs would want him to be he's he's way more of a forward player doesn't have the defensive capabilities but but yeah he he can run and he can be a, a little bit of a freight train at times so it was interesting that that you know that's when he was pulled off uh Perisic was for uh for Sessegnon Sessegnon came on for him and um you know at the same time Sonny came off for Richardson that's actually something I wanted to touch on before we move on from this game too Sonny um three games has not been great Again, I'm not worried. I'm not really concerned. We've seen Sonny go through stretches, but is there any concern with Youngman's son? And should Richarlison, you know, get a start next week against Forest? I think I think the only reason Richarlison might start against Forest over Sonny uh, is because there are th- not a lot of people realize this. There are three games in seven days next week. Uh, we play Sunday, Wednesday, then Saturday. Um, so there, there is an opportunity for a lot of rotation and going back to the point with Perisic and, and Sessegnon on the left, um, a lot of rotation is probably going to happen over the next week because of the number of games. But what are, what Scotty, what, what's your thoughts on Sonny? Like what, where has he been? He's, he obviously, you know, I don't think he's had a, a, a horrendous game, but he just hasn't really been as, been as present as he normally is. This is my response to people questioning Son, and this is not directed at you. You're asking the question as you should. Just shut the fuck up. It's so (laughs) it's so annoying. Just shut the fuck up. (laughs) Was that a British accent you were trying to do or something? I I said fuck. I said fuck with the British accent. Yeah, Uh, and that's just (laughs) a shot to Freezy. Freezy, love you, man. But no, honestly, I, I. It drives me nuts because Youngman's son is world class, and when he's fit, he fucking plays. That's just it, we've had this discussion on the pod before, and again, I'm not venting this at you guys, just into the void. But when he's not scoring goals, his presence alone is making such an impact on our attack. Like just Youngman starts, Youngman's son starts every time he's fit, and I'm saying this as as the resident Richarlison fanboy. I I'll, I'll stamp that on myself easily, right? But I love Richarlison, but no, he doesn't start over Son. Harry Kane and Youngman Son start. And until until Kulisevsky 
says he shouldn't be on the pitch, then I think Richarlison is going to continue to be a substitute unless it's for rotation, like you said, when we have three three matches in a week, right? You'll see I, Richarlison start, but that's due to fitness, like I said, not not Sun's form. Honestly, I, I feel bad as a with Scotty, but it's um, I actually think that you know it was what Scott what, uh, Andrew you mentioned heard about what I said. Sunny, well, about Sunny not being as well, and does Richarlison start? I don't think the two are connected. I think it's just a case of is Richarlison going to be the better fit for Forest, taking into account that we do have three games the following week. I think the it will be against um, was it Nico Williams who played against Liverpool, so he's, he's he has experience of playing against him in in like high pressure games, so he probably knows him quite a lot better than say um, Sunny would. And I just think ultimately, I don't think it's a case of it's not like a if you take if you if you don't start signing that's a punishment or something. I when I saw Richarlison, obviously I've seen Richarlison play for Everton. I don't obviously I wasn't watching him as closely because obviously he wasn't our player, and you know you're not and just in the angle. But when I was watching, I thought, wow, he's this guy. You know how physical he is. You know his aggression. Blah 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 blah. And there was a bit of thinking, oh my god, is he going to take on Traore? Because like you don't want to do that. Like Richie, I love you, mate. You don't want to take on Traore. But there was a moment where his feet, he was in a, he was trapped. There were three players around him, and he shuffled his feet so well. I thought, wow, I didn't know he could do that. And not that I was sleeping on um, his ability, but he's actually a very. He's obviously a talented footballer. He's Brazilian international. He's obviously a skillful player. But we think of, I thought it was more about his pace, aggression, energy, and all that kind of stuff. But he's actually a very technically gifted player with very good feet, very good footwork. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, well, do you know what? It's something that was sunny. He likes to run into space. He likes to have, like, you know, you press high against him. He then likes to play off the back of that. And do you know what? They won't allow him to do that. I think next week, I think. Um, Forest, I think we'll talk about Steve Cooper later. They're gonna, they've got four points already from their first three games, which I think is a couple more points more than they were hoping for, especially at this stage of the season. Then bringing all their players in and everything else. So I think that they're going to look at that and think, well, we're playing Spurs. A draw will be good for us. Let's just play deep and invite Spurs to take us on. So I don't think that space that Sunny likes to run into is going to be there. As whereas, so which I think works well for a Charleston because he likes to get into your face. Whereas yeah. Sonny, he likes to have that space to run into where if you have a high pressing team, it's very interesting you bring that up too. Because we did see, I thought, and I could be wrong on this, but at least for the last five or so minutes of the game yesterday, when Basuma came on for Kulisevsky, we saw a slight formation change where it was two up top, uh, with Richarlison and Kane and Basuma playing more almost not quite in a number 10 role, but it was a three-man midfield briefly there at the end as, as as Spurs were trying to hang on late. And I'd be inter interested to see if something like that, you know, more of the, uh, I guess what you would call a 3-5-2 comes into play, um, you know, next week against a team that, yeah. that, like you say, could could tend to sit back a little bit more even than Wolves do. Because the possession yesterday was 50-50. I mean, it, you know, it's not like um, it's not like Wolves sat back whatsoever. Uh, they were they had plenty of the ball. They were obviously that first half they were attacking. But I think you're right against a team like Forest or um, you know even looking ahead to some other other opponents, we could see we could see a little bit more of that. And I think that Kane and Richarlison as that front two could could be a thing. Well, we did ask that question in the not you we's and now in the stands. Like we're wondering why Pissum hasn't started, and I had to tell Mister Potato behind me that. Well, you know what? He wasn't there. He went to South Korea, but he wasn't able to start. 
So therefore, he missed a lot of the um, like the you know like the intensive training that Conte yeah. likes his players to have. So he had that plus, which I think we spoke about last week. You mentioned obviously the COVID effects and whether he's still fit enough to start. Because obviously, if you have COVID, it does take a while for you to get your breathing and everything else back to what the level you need to be as a professional athlete. But I thought, do you know what? I the three five two was interesting because I hadn't seen us play that for a while. Uh, we because I thought I thought that game needed Basuma the ability of someone to carry the ball forward, and I really because I think I don't I don't know. If, I think Juve Day would know it much better, but at Inter Milan, he would play, uh, was it Brozovic in the anchorman midfield, Barella and Ericsson. Now, look, I'm not going to compare any of our midfield three to those guys. Brozovic is, oh my God, such a brilliant player. Well, he's he's just, just in the world at the time. I yeah, think at, at the time he was, and he still is. I mean, he's a bit older now, but if honestly, if he wants to join um, Perisic and, and come over to us, like, dude, come over. He's That's how good that player is. But, it was the fact that he had that three-one-four-two, which is actually very attacking if you look to the way he played it, because he only had like one natural sitter who was actually more of like a player that likes to go forward anyway. So I think I don't know whether he was laying the foundations for next week's um, like side. Obviously, yeah. there could be injuries and everything that can happen. But I thought Basuma, if you have like Hoybier as more of an anchor and have as our number six, and you have like twin number eights, if that makes any kind of sense. And you have one person that likes to bring the ball forward using his dribbling. You've got Benton Cole, who's very calm in passing, much calmer, I think, than, um, say, a Hoybier is. Not that I'm going to slate Hoybier's passing, but I think Hoybier has better long-range passing, but his short passing game isn't as good as his long... I don't know. It's like it's, you guys are golfers. Some guys are very good at whacking the ball very well, but in terms of putting it, they're not as good. So, I mean, if that, that's the example yeah, I'm going to yeah. give. Well, no, all really well said, Chivon, and I'm glad you bring up the point about Richarlison. Um, I do see a lot of value in us using a two up top, and I do think it's going to be effective with him. And I think, like you said, there's going to be a time and a place when when him starting over Sun makes sense tactically. And, you know, I think, you know, my, my point on Sun is to drive home that Kyungman Sun is, should always be on the field when he shouldn't be on the field, right? But, um we have definitely talked about on this show for sure situations where Sun will struggle against, uh, you know, like the bottom six on the table, those teams that are going to plunk up, right? And he really thrives against the top six. We always see him pop up against City and Liverpool and whatever it is and, and United, right? So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think it's a really good shout. Um, and then on Basuma, you guys know that this has been a mystery for me. You know, I think like, I had to I had to get past my emotion around the signing, right? And I think that's still a bit of a process, and I'm getting there. I think, you know, I don't know the man, um, and I'm really trying to have have an open mind. Um, uh, you know, for all I know, he's fantastic, right? And I've said that from day one. But you know, now that I'm really coming to terms with it, I'm trying to figure out where he fits in. And statistically, he's a defensive midfielder. From the eye test, he's a ball progressing or even an attacking midfielder, right? When I watch him play, but his stats are so so defensively sound. I mean, if you if you if you get on Squawk a comparison, right, and put him up against any any comparable defensive midfielder in the league, his stats wipe the floor with everybody. It's 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 impressive. And Dakota pointed that out to me. I'd really never done like a deep dive on Basuma's stats at Brighton, but holy fucking shit, that dude is a defensive midfielder to the core, right? But again, when you watch him, he's not so. It's interesting to to hear Shivan, you know, and, and yourself and your talk about 
I didn't really maybe notice as him being so not advanced, right, but more of a in, a in a progressing role. But yeah, so you know, I maybe didn't notice. Sorry that he was as in an advanced position or not advanced position, right? But in a position where he was maybe getting a little more forward when he came on against Chelsea. But if I if I had to peg where he would play on the field, it's in a midfield three, and it's in an eight with another eight. And the more I think about it, Bentaker and Basuma as eights in front of a, a Hoybier is a, a dangerous midfield three because I don't I don't I don't ever want to say that I'm ready for Basuma to start over Bentacor or Hoybier the way we're playing right now, right? Both have been fantastic. And when you get a midfield duo that wants to or that does play so effectively together and has that consistency and is, and, and, and again is playing well, you don't mix that up, right? But it makes a lot of sense to bring him in a three and um yeah. shit kind of just had a revelation on the pod so i appreciate you both for that and um, <laughs> no i think uh, that's i think that's spot on i think in a three it, it could very well work and i think it's it, it's interesting too that spurs uh, the three midfielders that they kind of have available right now the three that we've been talking about leaving skip out of this conversation right now because he's still getting back to fitness but those three guys there none of them are number 10s like none of these guys are are half of what christian erickson was as a number 10 um as an attacking midfielder and i think that kind of just speaks to what antonio conte's system really is he he wants more defensive you know calm midfielders and wants his attack to come from the outside from the wing backs from his front three and that kind of thing and i don't think there's anything wrong with that unless you're going to move to that more 3 5 two situation where you would need a midfielder to to operate some things in there oh i've got a couple of points first of all i described our four players obviously i'm going to use as all kinds of allium like i've done the onion basically one's a spring onion one's a leek one's a shallot and one's a red onion as in they all have their, their qualities they're not exactly the same but they're all very very similar in terms of qualities and i don't know i just feel that if we want to give the consumer a start i think he's definitely merited a start i think starting him in a three seeing how he plays because sometimes because everyone was like oh is it basuma or benson core well why not start them together and see if they can work well together and see if they complement each other to think that you know what i don't need to have hoibiesk uh, as the anchor man and then i can you know bring, you know bring on you know because this is i'm trying to work out i'm gonna decide i might do a poll for this who do you think would be starting if we do play three five two who will be our um right right wing back will it be um decky Lucas or Emerson? Because I honestly do think it, because I think he, first of all, uh, Antonio Conte or, has spoken or, or about Doherty. What about Doherty? Or Doherty. Because I think Decky, but I think Antonio Conte has spoken about playing Kuliszewski at um, right wing back. We saw how well Tuchel used it with R- uh, Ruben of cheek at playing right fullback anyway. And I mean, I said one of the things that we did say that he did stay out really wide, especially in this and that game yesterday, the second half. He was he was actually wider than Emerson. So I'm not saying he's going to play always going to be the right wing back because they did this thing like where, where's your position? Well, I don't know, but I do think for this game he might start there, and yeah. do you know what I mean we're going to see him like cutting in a bit more, and then you might see players like because Basuma likes to bomb on. We see, we've seen that. I think there was a really funny moment in the game. I don't know if you guys saw it, but Sanchez got bombed on like Romero did, and he got in the way of Sunny or something. I don't know if you guys saw that or not. But it was really fun. I was like, "Why are Sanchez so far up top?" <laughs> it was just, it was just so funny because obviously you see Romero do that, but then you see Sanchez do the same thing. <laughs> it was just very comical because it didn't work out this time. He was just trying to get level with Eric Dyer on goal score for the season. That's all. 
Um, I think the cool thing about all of this is that there's so much flexibility in this team. They, they, you know, they can't, they don't have to just play one way They're there. You can see the, the bones at least of Antonio Conte being able to switch things up and with five subs in each game. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing you, you feel like this guy can't do, uh, which is really cool. There's a lot of flexibility within the squad, which I, I really enjoy seeing. Um, want to move away from the game a little bit because flexibility in the squad is a topic that has been going on all summer, obviously with transfers and there's only about 10 or so days left in the transfer window. Thank God. Uh, this thing is almost <laughs> over. Um, but we did see another big move out this past week. Tongi and Dombele goes to Napoli. Um, there are also a lot of rumors surrounding the club with some other kind of insulary names. Um, Jaffa Tanganga, Brian Heal. There's a lot of Brian Heal to Valencia heat right now. Um, but I thought it was interesting, you know, and this is something that Alistair Gold pointed out. Um, they've, they've really, they've really asked Conte about these transfers. And aside from those four names, Lacelso, Indombele, uh, who am I forgetting? Regulon, uh, Regulon, Regulon and Winks, you know, not counting those four players. Yes. Not counting those four players. Conte has kind of made clear that anyone else that goes out, he wants replaced, which I think is a, a, a real like put your foot down kind of marker. So he's talking about if Brian Hill goes, he wants another, you know, attacking type player to replace Brian Hill. If Jaffa Tanganga goes, he wants another center back type of player to replace his depth on the squad. He, there's even, there was even mention of Harvey white. If, if, if a player like Pape Mate Sar goes, he wants players to replace those guys if they are going to go out on loan somewhere. So I think that's, you know, just something to note and something that's kind of important to, to recognize. That, how do you facilitate that guy? Because it seems, I don't know. We, I, I don't understand making a permanent signing to then replace a loan that someone we've loaned well, out. Well, no, nobody, I mean, nobody's. I, mean, I don't think anybody's saying it would have to be a permanent signing. I think he's. But I just don't know how, how we're going to do that, though. I just don't know how we do that because, uh, like, are we going to get someone just for a loan or something? Are we going to go to Barcelona and say, do you "Well, know what? I, I, you I think play, you, got, you can't pay your wages, therefore we'll take we'll take this guy and that guy and that guy because help you pay your wages or something." I think what it says is they're not going to allow say Brian Heal to go out on loan unless they have a player to replace him because they want him around. Yeah. And I'm sure they have, like, we all know the rumors around Milinkovic Savic and what's his name? Malinovsky. I think I'm no, I don't know anything about the player, but I've enough people I trust speak very highly of him. And Conte has proven that if he likes a guy who's playing in Syria and fits into his system, we should probably just go sign them. Um, So I'd be curious to see what happens. But my gut is that we've got people tapped up and Conte's just he, he's very good about establishing his ground and, and and he feels good about the numbers. And I think he's telling the board, like, you're not going to loan out. You're not going to go loan out Brian Heal, who's not going to play. Yes, but the numbers are right. You're not going to loan him out. And if you do, you're going to go buy somebody that you don't want to spend on. And I'm just yeah. going to make that very clear, you know, like and same like Harvey White goes, then I need Milinkovic Savage. And the club says they're wildly different in terms of talent. And he says, I don't care. Like, that's where I stand right now. So, well, Scott, I you're a negotiator, Andrew, right? You're a negotiator, right? You so say you want to negotiate right. from a position of strength. And clearly, 100%. Conte has got a real position of strength there. He yeah, really exactly. does. He and so, why wouldn't doing. you? Why wouldn't yeah. you? Do you know what I mean? It's just, well, you know, and I, you know yeah, I think yeah, you're exactly I, I think, right. 
I think the other big thing is that Conte knows that with a World Cup in the middle of this season and with the number of games they're going to play, you know, Brian Hill's not playing right now. He's going to have to play a few cup matches probably. He's probably going to have to, you know, even be a a late game sub in some Premier League matches at some point this season. Same with same with the likes of perhaps Saar down the road and and, and even Harvey White down the road. Like these guys are going to, you know, it might not be regular minutes, but these guys are going to need to be around as a just in case and injuries and and like I said, just workload and all that stuff. It's 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 going to be a lot. Yeah. And I think it's important to point out. Like I feel comfortable saying this, and with no repercussion, like Conte doesn't value the League Cup, he does not, right? And Pape Matesar, Harvey White, Brian Hill, they'll all probably start in the League Cup. Like I, yeah, they will. I would, I would, I would um, want them to. Frankly, I would, I would, I would, I would enjoy that. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm about to disagree with Scotty again because <laughs> But Antonio Conte is a winner. If it's a toy, if it's a coin toss. Or a league or Champions League, he wants to win it. It kind of reminds me. I don't know if you guys know the story about Ronaldo. He basically was playing uh, uh, ping pong, table tennis, against uh, Real Ferdinand. Real Ferdinand beat him quite handily. So then he installed a table tennis in his house, got in like a Portuguese like national champion to coach him. So and waited like three to six months to play <laughs> to literally Ferdinand just to ask him again, "Do you want to fancy a game?" Just so that's because that's how competitive he is. Conte is a winner. That's why we signed him. He's a person that wants to win. I don't care what it is. He wants to win. I do think in terms of what Andrew spoke about before, you know, not about availability being the best ability, but it takes two to tango. I think it takes about 10 to tango here because there's a lot of things have to tango correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think you're, I think you're very right about that. And, and I do want to clarify, of course, he, of course he values winning trophies, but he values that much less than the rest of his competitions, and he's like blatantly yeah. said that to the press. So I, I just uh, – it's really just to say to Andrew's point, like those guys will have to play, and Conte's making that clear, and I love it. And you know what? If we have to lose Harvey White to bring in Milinkovic Savic, sign me the fuck up. <laughs> no, I, I – I hear you. Uh, one other note that I did not, uh, I, I failed to mention when we were talking about the game. Um, Harry Kane now has the most Premier League goals for one club, passing Sergio Aguero. He's also one away from Jimmy Greaves uh, in terms of Premier League goals. Really just, I don't know what else you can say. We, we talked a lot about the Parasitch assist on the goal, and we talked a lot about you know the 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 tactics of it uh we didn't really talk about the guy who was on the end of it all that much which is uh, an oversight on my part because he is harry fucking kane and he scored another goal and like you know the august the august goal stuff and all that stuff like good job by him i mean i, I don't know what else there, there's not a lot of other superlatives we can we can bring up when it comes to harry I, i've seen him I saw, I, I saw his first game the first game that he started i think it was against hearts and he missed a penalty but he had the gumption to take the penalty and he wasn't he was a bit of a chubby lad at the time and then he played again in the Europa League um I think he was Shamrock Rovers I think he scored his first goal and I remember the following year I think it was Newcastle away they brought him on and this was that period of like we we're about to lose Luka Modric Van der Vaart was a substitute or something and there's a lot of umming and erring what was going on it was under AVB and then I think again he went away to Nor- Norwich didn't do anything didn't do anything at Leicester but I remember his first game at um what was it in the, in the game against Chelsea because I was like right in front of me I was in the Paxton Road and it was just amazing what he did and it was like oh my god how did he become so powerful we were just like so surprised and it was just the transformation that he has done over these 10 years and I mean I mean I think and just like not just on the pitch off the pitch as well 
obviously we saw, I think he was playing um, for, I think him and Matt Doty are really into their cricket and they were playing at Lords. So Lords is like, I have no idea what the baseball equipment will be of Lords, but it's like the Yankee Stadium or something of, of cricket or something. I have no idea. I'm sorry. Okay. I should I should say I should say it's the Minute Maid Park because I'm an Astros fan apparently. Of, um, yeah, right. Of, you are. Yeah. But um, you're but about it's to be a winner too. <laughs> but um, no, the thing is though, to see him is just his just his his on the pitch profile. Uh, just remember, like Danny Danny Murphy talking about him um, after the North London derby, his first North London derby. And saying the England team should be built around him, and then a year later it was being built around him, and then three years later he's actually made the captain of the England team. And just seeing his his growth in so many areas, not just on the pitch but off the pitch as well. So for those of you who don't know, he one of his first professional game was uh, as I think was at Leighton Orient, and he sponsors Leighton Orient, and he sponsors them by actually I think it's not his it's not the Hurricane Foundation. He sponsors three or four different charities, and the money he spends. You know, he pays for that shirt sponsorship, goes to these charities as well. And he was a huge part of like the project, I think, during COVID, that him and Jordan Henderson, I, I give Henderson a lot of flack, but him and Jordan Henderson and a few other family captains did this thing where like they were going to contribute to COVID and everything else, NHS charities. And so what he's doing off the pitch, on the pitch, I think he was on, is it Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon? I don't know the difference, but there's, there's a difference. I know there's a difference between the two, but he was on that show and he was doing the, 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 I don't know what golf tournament Andrew will know much better what golf tournament he was at, but he was at that as well as a sky pundit or something. And it's just, you know, honestly, and I've met Harry Kane one time and he was, he was humble then. And to see his going now, I know I apologize for calling him a chubby lad. It wasn't just me. I love other no, guys. Have called him before, but to see the transformation that he's done on and off the pitch, he was a chubbier yeah. lad than he is now. Let's put it yeah, that way. Yeah, we'll I'm, yeah. I'm just saying, for what he's done, I wish him well. And just the fact that the way that people used to really hate David Beckham, because obviously he was going out of posh spice and all that kind of stuff. That's why a lot of people hated him. But the, And there are people who hate on Kane now for the way he speaks or whatever. But Kane, you can't hate him as a player. Because if he isn't playing for England, we're not going to win the World Cup without a Harry Kane. Okay? Yeah. And... You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna win the World Cup anyway because the U.S. Yeah, is gonna knock you guys out of the group. Okay. So. <laughs> Clearly, what am I thinking? Yeah. Uh, you see Aaronson today, bud. We're gonna win the World Cup. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I, I saw what Jesse Marsh did. I mean, I'm fearing Ted Lasso is gonna you know take over the England, you know, the USA national team. Hey, I'll, I'll joke aside. Let, let me just say really quick on Kane too. Obviously, like I took the bit of like being mad about his like transfer saga. We, you guys know it's a bit, right? Like, I it wasn't real. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Well, okay, no, no, no. Okay, okay, yo, okay. It was I, not really a bit. You were pretty pissed. I will say this: the 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 actual how actually everything happened was definitely not a bit. But me getting on the pod and saying Harry Kane, like you know, you're I'm done. Like that's all a bit, right? I was I did not. No, like it. listen, you own it, man. You own no, the fuck out of it, man. Whatever. I love. I've said a hundred times. I love Harry Kane to death. I, this, it I is still say- a little bit awkward with Kane, though, because like, you know, you used to get and, and this is a very, very minor thing. And I know it's something that our boy Dakota kind of harps on a little bit. But like on social media posts with Kane, you used to always get a hashtag coys. You, you don't yeah. get that very often, if it ever now. And there's like little stuff like that, <clears throat> that like you would like to see a little bit more by him. But, but Kane has grown into this like weird kind of not weird weird's not the right word but he's grown into this figure that is almost he knows that he's bigger 
than than where he's at right now within like within yeah, the whole structure yeah, yeah. and yeah he and does. you know it's not he's he's made the club more than i think the club has made him and i think he knows that um yes. and well these are not things that i can argue with but well, we're still happy to yeah, have yeah. you make a Aka. good point i well real quick i think i i think all you know your your boy Mourinho taught him that give my Mourinho point in right taught taught him that he was maybe bigger bigger than the space he was in but but no Kane I think it has to be said For, first of all the nicest guy in the world he I've never even probably shared this on the show but my wife when we were in Denver back in 2015 probably whenever we played the MLS All Stars um, we were at open training it was his birthday and my wife shout shout cat I should say people know who cat is right cat yelled happy birthday harry kane and he picked her out of the crowd brought her down like you know took pictures with her just really wholesome genuine guy right and gave cat just a wonderful experience obviously but the the consummate professional that guy is like he's never put a foot wrong he doesn't he doesn't take advantage of his stardom right he doesn't even even you know even utilize it at all i'm sure he does financially behind the scenes right but he's definitely not putting himself out there you know, to, 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 to market himself in ways that I think, you know, others do. Um, he, he just carries himself with such a grace and such class that you never see in professional sports. And he's the best in the world, the hands down, he'll, he'll be the top, top scorer in the premier league for England. We all know this, right? So to see what he's done, we joke about, he was just a chubby lad, right? But <laughs> good goodness me, like the desire and the grit and the determination all in line with the fact that he is the person that he is. Right. It's, it's, it's something that we may never see again. Um, and, and sometimes I think as Spurs fans in this era, it's so easy for us to like lose sight of like what an incredible thing that's happening and the media doesn't help. Right. And rival fans don't help. It's such, it's also like an anomaly that you'll never see again. Right. The Harry, the Harry yeah. Kane story in England. Right. But that guy just, you can never, well, ever, it's, ever it's stop not this right. talking about him. We seeing he's one of our own. Now that's not unusual. That's it seems unusual now for your best player to be homegrown, but yeah. that was so rare, and that's the mm-hmm. thing. But I want to talk about. We mentioned Dakota, by the way. We talk about graph and termination. Now, I don't know how far it is from where he is in Tennessee to. I can't pronounce the name of the city. Everyone laughed at me last time. I can't pronounce. Yeah, I can't pronounce it properly. Apparently, but he drove with his little little lass. I don't know how long that drive is, but it's not easy driving with a toddler in the back. About, about five drives. and a half hours. It's, it's not. It's, it's a fair old trek, and it's a great picture, and that's credit to Dee as a dad to taking the picture, driving all the way down, all the way back, and it's a wonderful picture of, I think, Shalina Zadorsky high-fiving yes. his little girl, and who knows? We could be seeing our future Spurs women captain there. So shout-out to Dakota's daughter, Harper. Look forward to you rocking the lily white for real in about – I don't know, 15 Dude, years time. Harper Booth is a is a is a tailor made Tottenham captain name. It's done. Yeah, Har- it, Harper. It's done and du- it's done and dusted. Yeah. It, it was a really cool. It was a really cool scene. And shout out to Dakota. Shout out to Caroline. The, the reason the, you know Caroline is is heading back uh, from from Louisville. She was she spent the whole week out out that way and uh, spent some time with some family. That's why Talk she, about she wasn't able to too. join today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, just killed it. Uh, if you if you didn't see earlier in the week, um, we dropped a, another pod, a, a midweek pod in your feed, uh, talking all about the women's team and their you know Caroline and and Abby, who she does the N seventeen women's podcast with. Uh, we talked about the women's team and their trip to Louisville. So go check that out if you haven't already. 
Um, guys, before we get out of here, the Champions League draw is this Thursday, and I just want to ask kind of uh, who you want, who you, who you're fearing, who do you, you know. I'm always in the camp of give me the easiest possible route. So <laughs> give me give me Porto or give me Eintracht uh, out of pot one. Or I, I'll take that. Um, but but what are you guys looking forward oh, to? Well, I, I know Frank, I know yeah, I know Frank, we're Frank, I know Frank. we're drawing I know we're drawing drawing Ajax. Like you just know that you know that's going to happen. You know Steven Bergvine's going to come back and score. <laughs> but but well, who, what I, do you what do you guys think about the the Champions League draw coming up this week? Well, I'm actually looking forward to us playing against Milan, and then sign Jaffa Tanganga has to go against Harry Kane for real. That would be quite funny. But <laughs> in all jokes aside, do you know what I was talking about this with with Chris, with Chris from the Top Supplement? And do you know what I honestly I know it sounds really weird, but I want Bayern Munich again. And I want to do to them what they did to us, basically. Mm. I want to get, I want to even the score. I want to literally punk out Sadio Mane for kicking the ball at um, Mr. Soko's hands and costing us that Champions League final. I really want to beat the crap out of Bayern Munich for not beating Chelsea when they should have done 10 years ago. Not that I'm bitter and hold grudges, as Andrew knows. I'm not a spiteful person at all, as Andrew knows. <laughs> Scotty, you got any thoughts on the on the Champions League draw and who you might want? I I think it would be also interesting if you if you you know if you want to get really weird if if Inter happened to to come into our group from Pot Three, uh, you know Conte's former side that would be really wild. But uh, what what are your thoughts? Yeah, I honestly like Shivan. You know, I'm not saying Bayern specifically, but maybe more my point is I I'm not terribly worried about who we draw, and maybe that's like a Conte thing, right? I think. I think there's a lot of value in the momentum and, and confidence that comes from getting out of a tough group, right? As opposed to finding yourself up against Madrid in the in the in the round of 16 and having to 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 really fight an uphill battle for the first time in the competition, right? So, but if I had to pick these, I I would I would actually pick these just off of like the away days that I would love to see us a part of, right? Um, I'm gonna say Ajax. I think that's a really fun team to play. Um, I'd love to see us get Juventus or they, we can't get Juventus or in our group. Um, sorry, I'm scrolling through the, through the deals here. All the states. Inter would be sweet. Either Inter or Dortmund. I would like us to, to draw either of them. Um, what about Napoli with, uh, with, with Tongi playing there now? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, I think we'd handle them pretty well. So, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to that at all, but Man, I'd love to see us playing at, at, at you know, Signal or, or Duna Park or whatever it is. I can't pronounce it correctly, right? But against that yellow wall, that'd be a lot of fun. But yeah, well, I'll it, I'm not terribly worried. I think we'll get out either way. So, well, here's the thing, though. I remember when we had the group, was it back when we actually got into the Champions League properly under Pochettino? And we thought, oh, we've got an easy group here because we've got, oh, Romac in Moscow. We had Monaco, who we'd basically beaten the crap out of the season before. Yeah, and by Leverkusen, right. and then we play Monaco, and this is the Monaco of Mbappe, uh, Fabinho, Lamar. I mean, all these players that are now basically, uh, yeah, playing in like either obviously, obviously, Lamar, obviously they're still playing the French league. Mbappe's obviously, but uh, Bernardo Silva. I mean, some incredible players. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. um, they literally top the shit out. I was going to remember because that's I think that was Ben's first Champions League game, and this is at Wembley. And it was just bonkers. So I'm hoping for, I don't want an easy group. I just want to basically, one of the reasons you're in the Champions League is you want to play the best of the best. That's what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And I remember when we played Real Madrid, I, I me and my friend Barry from Hoboken Spurs, and we had this horrible picture. I said, why are my best European memories of you, Barry? 
because it's Ajax and I have his friend of me thing going on with him. And I'm like, because yeah, we beat by uh, yeah, we beat Real Madrid with you know and you're forced you to be there, and then you to be there again when we beat Ajax. And I was just uh, I mean, so look, I think it's just making really good memories. I mean, that yeah. being that Real Madrid memory, the the best thing about that game wasn't the fact that Ericsson scored and it was like head of Luka Modric, but honestly, the thing I remember most about that is the is the yell is the is the cheer for Musa Dembele fighting Ramos was louder than any of the go the, the you know the, the cheers for the goals. <laughs> that, that's that, that, that says more about Spurs than anything. If that doesn't say anything about Spurs than anything else. We enjoy a rock more than the goal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I will say though, and I agree with you, right? It's all about the memories and the experience. But we're ready to go fucking win. And 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 our run to the title game, the, not to the title, but to the title match, right, where we lost to Liverpool, know, yeah. was exciting and it was special. But we definitely we we uh, you know we we overreached our ability that year, without a doubt, right? Oh and yeah. So this year, I mean, I Shuban, you bring up when we got smacked in the Champions League the first time we got there with Poch, right? You and I probably got on Esports USA and said, "Hey, look." Like that was awesome. And we're not going to do shit in this competition. And these guys are like 22 and just got to first team football like nine months ago and they'll learn and they're, they'll grow and they'll be better for this. Right. But like, and some of those guys, Kane, Dyer, they're still here, right? They're still part of this team. Hugo, they're still a part of this team. And now Conte's our manager and now we're spending money on Richarlison and Basuma and it's fucking time. Like I, I agree. It is about the experience. And I'm not even disagreeing with you. I'm just adding to my point. Like whoever we draw, we're I'm I'm fully prepared, and I'm 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 fully confident saying Conte is fully prepared to go smack that team and and continue to win football. Well, that's why he's so wanted players. That's why he said like I want to have quality. I want a better squad because mm-hmm. I mean I think I don't know who who we played against. Was it? I think the, what was the game we had to have him have to cancel against in the Conference League. And then we lost, I think, I don't know who we lost to in the Conference League, but if you look at that team, we had some decent players on there, but they, it was just, the squad depth was, was not was there Ren, at all. by the way. But no, no, but the, the game we lost, I think we lost or in the Conference League or the, oh, I think, oh no, the Europa League the year before, and it was that, that team whose manager was in jail or something. I oh, think God, if you look yeah, at the, I don't even remember yeah, who that was. But, but I'm just saying, if you You're look at right. the transformation Maybe. from that side and the squad that we have then, obviously it was COVID then and everything else. Yeah. And we didn't have the stadium going, but we've got a stadium going. Harry Kane's firing. Uh, we've got a great manager. We've got depth in the squad. I'm not saying we're going to win it. I'm not saying at all. But we. it's not as if like we're there just to pick up some money and then to basically right. solidify our position in the league. We are there because I think we're capable of winning it. And why shouldn't we believe we can win it? Mm-hmm. It's it's a really cool reminder as to what Spurs were able to do at the tail end of last season, like remembering, oh, oh shit, yeah, the Champions League draw is coming up and we're in it, and that's really awesome. Uh, the other really cool reminder this week of that was watching the end of the Arsenal All or Nothing documentary and seeing the, the finale of that and just seeing the way that that team folded like a, a, a cheap suit at the end of the season last year. Really cool. If you haven't gone and watched that on Amazon, go for it because it's really, really enjoyable uh, to relive the end of last season there. Uh, That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Tottenham Depot. Uh, Look forward to the Champions League draw. Look forward to Nottingham Forest next week. Forest have a a midweek game, by the way, in the uh, EFL Cup. They play Grimsby Grimsby Town. Follow Scott at DSM Spurs. Follow Shuban at The Real Shuban. You can follow me at Stedka. Follow us at Tottenham Depot. Uh, Leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice 
And uh, until next week, we will see you again here on the Tottenham Depot. As always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>